Tupperware. He's the man whose name you'd love to touch, but you mustn't touch. His name sounds good in your ear, but when you say it, you mustn't fear, cause his name can be said by anyone. Ah, Max Power! Welcome to the Vice of Issues, a foul-mouthed, spoiler-filled comic book podcast where we talk about comic books. I'm Sly. I'm Ryan. I'm Phil. And I'm Daryl. We made it, guys. <laughs> it's <laughs> been a while since we made it, actually. Yeah. I feel yeah. like. So after Daryl made us revisit his childhood, now Sly has a suggestion for us. Yes. <laughs> no, he's <laughs> gone. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Bye, guys. I'm fuck you all. <laughs> Sorry, uh, well, I interrupted. Uh, but, um... Yeah, my suggestion was a comic book I read as a child along with Devset. Like, this was in the same uh, bargain bins that Devset was in, uh, called The Max. With two X's. Yeah, two X's. Yes. The cover features a big purple guy with claws and, you know, it looks like 90s edge shit. The thing, like, it's hard to describe the guy because, like, it, the humans in this are, like, they... At first, I was almost reminded of like really old school, like um, like Warcraft humans, where they're like, they're like kind of their proportions are so messed up, like they're just so bulky, but their their heads are like, they're weird shapes. Yeah, uh, so it's very stylized. Let's talk yeah. about Sam Keith. Uh, Sam Keith, the artist, he, he's a writer. Yeah, the writer, creator of the series. Sam Keith is an artist I have a lot of respect for. I think I like him better as. I want to say I like him better as a cover artist, but I do like his layouts a lot. He does a lot of interesting things with the layouts. He also he, was the one who launched Sandman with Neil Gaiman. Yeah, he launched Sandman with Neil Gaiman. If you, if you read a lot of comics, or, or a decent amount of comics, there's, there's, there's a pretty decent chance you read some Sam Keith stuff because he wrote the early stuff with uh, Sandman. He, wrote a lot of, uh, he drew a lot of Wolverine. He drew uh, a lot of Batman in the 90s. And he drew the Max. And some people might know the Max because the Max was popular enough to have his own MTV cartoon. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Along with Aeon Flock, it was premiered in that same uh, block. Uh, also, Sam Keith co-wrote the pilot for Cow and Chicken with yes, his cousin, who created the show. Uh, yeah. wow. See, I was I was going to say that the Max is like the art style in this is actually very '90s cartoony, whereas like that's yeah. is like '90s like cool guy art. This is way yeah. more exaggerated and silly like, looking. Oh man, the like. Am I thinking of the wrong thing? The Tick? <laughs> yeah, no, it's very the, similar to the Tick. L- yeah, like it's just. It's really weird, but like you guys are saying, it's like it's like a '90s cartoon. But with like some humans look like normal, and then some of them are like super exaggerated. Like it's mainly the women that look normal because they have yeah. to be sexualized, whereas like all the men are either like weird, elongated, stick, gaunt men, or yeah. they're like big, fat. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of Chris Bocciolo's '90s art too. Chris, Chris Bocciolism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like the like in the shade the changing man kind of stuff. It's a very like more out there '90s yeah. style, but I like it a lot. I, I like it a lot too. But I do uh, I do get why it will put people off. And honestly, as the series goes on, if you don't like it now, you're not you're never gonna like it because it gets more abstract as it goes on. So people's heads. But I, but the thing is, uh, for me, like I, the first issue turned me off when I first saw that. I'm like, this is like these guys look gross. But uh, by the time I had finished the first issue and got into the second one, I started to appreciate how stylized it was. That it was it, it, like. Especially they do cool things, I think, with the art. Uh, I, cool. I agree. 
Yeah, I love the layouts. Yeah, the layouts are where I was most like in love. Like especially just on the first page, how it's like the max borders around the, this weird like bent like one. It's one shape is what the text or the 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 panel is, but it's it's like twenty different uh, sides to it. Yeah. Cool. It also, they incorporate a lot of the words a lot. Like, whenever they name characters, it's, like, part of the art. Like, when they're yeah. like, this is yeah. Jimmy. And it, like, it is very cartoony, and it, like, pops up, like, almost, like, in a Scott Pilgrim kind of way. Oh, yeah. But I I loved it. And also, word bu- the word bubbles also are stylized, too, for each character, for characters. And, like, when stuff happens, one character... Oh, yeah. When he gets injured, there's they're such... The uh, word bubbles are bleeding and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I really liked the way the, the villain and his lackeys look, like... They're really they're so <laughs> really you didn't no i i was gonna say the layout's like the only thing i kind of like about the comic i i'm i was not impressed with the art it's funny because it, remind, it reminds me of like what you would do if you were writing a 90s comic which, which is how i always think of Max. <laughs> i guess you hate yourself daryl i like trying to go for more realism than expression but, but you do like cartoony characters mixed with like realism in, at, at points with like minds existence and stuff uh yeah i mean that's that's one book i did <laughs> Yeah, I was the one, the one failure out. I made, says Daryl. <laughs> but I, I liked how like abstract and weird like the f- the fights are, and like yeah, me too. See, I couldn't follow the fights. Like I, I feel like there was too much. I had to read into the panels too much. Like you couldn't just figure everything out at a glance. You really had to like. Yeah, but Max can't figure it. them out either. Like he's like it's very like uh, mixed up and warped the way Max perceives them. So I think it makes sense that a reader can't perceive these. Yeah, I thought I thought that was cool. <laughs> I, uh, I, I suppose. Okay, let's just Wait. talk about it. Let's, let's okay, yeah. All right. Okay, so we are going to be doing issues one through four, and they are published by Image. This was like early Image, right? Yeah. If you don't, the newest, the newest uh, uh, reprinting of this uh, is now by IDW. It's called Max Maximize. That's probably a trade if you go try buy it. That's what you would get now. That's by IDW when they reprinted it. Uh, one thing also to note is the the one that wrote the scripts is uh, William Mester Loeb's. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know him better than I do, Ryan. Yeah, mind? he was he. A lot of the like lore that people know about the Flash, like the Speed Force, kind of started under him a little bit. And he, we've talked about it in our Facebook group a little. He's the one that like had a Wonder Woman run where Artemis replaced her, and he got like she she was just like super ripped and buff. And he's like a staple of the '90s. He's one of those comic book writers that I like a lot, but doesn't get any credit ever. Yeah. So he just like does the dialogue. Yeah. He leaves around issue 20. The series goes for 35 issues. And he leaves around issue 20. I think he... Uh, this made me appreciate him a lot more because I think when Sam Keefe writes it by himself, the dialogue gets way too expositiony. Uh, there's actually an issue by Alan Moore first. Yeah, I was to say, there's an issue by Alan Moore as well. So just to... One of the things that I think makes this stand out a little in like the scope of Image in the 90s is Image was very like creator-controlled, but a lot of it was just like... Rob Liefeld, Jim Lee, super muscle blood people. Yeah. And this is definitely more interesting than most of Image at the time. So the story opens up, issue one. Uh, the, the Max is a hobo. He's living in a box. Uh, outside his box in his alleyway, a woman gets uh, dropped off by a taxi. Uh, it's it Basically, it's a setup. The taxi drops in the wrong place, and two guys are waiting to beat her up and mug her. And possibly rape her, because that's yes. going to be a repeating theme throughout yeah. this story. Yeah, but it's, yeah. it's like a specific villain is the big rapist, right? Yeah. It's not like everyone. I guess. Well, I, I mean, guess they the, mention other people yeah. just getting raped, too. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, this, this, the, the, one of the coins from the, her purse drops near uh, Max's box, and the small, the small little thug 
tries to get it, and Max uh, pulls inside the box, kills him. And does the cartoony thing where when he pulls him, all that's left is his scarf, like, floating in air. Yeah. <laughs> Whoop! Uh, so, uh, Max is then going to go and get, take the other guy on, but then the police uh, interrupt and tell him both to freeze. And they they, uh, they take Max and the big guy, Fridge, in, in, with their uh, police car and leave the woman behind. What's pretty funny is, is like, the whole beginning of the story, it's narrating in Max's head. And he's, like, saying, like, you know, sometimes this happens in the alleys, and then sometimes I'm there to save them. And then the police are like, sometimes we're here, too. Yeah. And he's like, I've been saying this out loud. Yeah, there's a running joke yeah. that he keeps talking. He's making a dramatic, like, superior dialogue, I'm going here to save the world. And people realize he's saying it out loud. Even though it's super, like, cheesy, I kind of really like the narration here, because he's like, sometimes people are saved by fate. Sometimes they're saved by chance. And sometimes they're saved by me. And then, like, it's like this dramatic like superhero dialogue but then they like make a joke out of it yeah well i think that's like the like a, a big theme in this is like it's an inversion of a lot of the uh superhero. typical superhero oh. stuff yeah mm-hmm. is it yeah it is yeah i think it is it is i mean they, they make fun of the fact that he thinks he's a hero all the time because he's is that a subversion though <laughs> it is a subversion the whole joke the whole joke is that he's a bu- he's, he's supposed to be this heroic guy he's a bum living on the streets who's a loser no one likes and, and like he, I mean, he still does a lot of heroic things and protects people, and it's just like he's not getting recognized for it. It's not like he's making it worse by trying to help. Or is he? Or is he just a crazy man who is just crazy? He thinks he's a, he thinks he's in Australia half the time. Yeah, like playing... <laughs> it isn't a version. Daryl, it isn't a version. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you don't like this book, but it isn't a version. Like, like I, I will get into it later. But Sam Keith completely abandons the superior concept halfway because it's such an inversion of the fucking. <laughs> oh, so I needed to read volume two, didn't I? <laughs> no, but you don't have to read it. But like, I'll just say this uh... right now. Uh, after, like, the first ten issues, Max is not the main character at all anymore. Like, he stops being the main character. And, like, but, issue, issue 20, he's completely gone. Like, But in Daryl's defense, we're not talking about those. We're talking I know, about but I'm saying, like, he's saying, like, oh, I, I know there's an aversion. It is a fucking aversion. Like, fuck you, Daryl. Like, <laughs> you're wrong. You're just wrong. You're flat wrong. <laughs> okay, the four issues I read, I wasn't getting a lot of subversion. It is a subversion. Uh, he's a fucking hobo living on the streets. Whatever. But uh, I, think, I think it's fair to say that it's a lot because the narrative is, is confusing, as we're going to see in this next scene. I think it is fair to say that even if he's subverting tropes, sometimes it's not as clear if he's actually subverting them or just winking about them. OK, yeah, so that's fair. Uh, the, the police have arrested Max and the, the big guy Fridge and uh, the woman uh, got left behind. The police didn't notice her. And she, she awakens to see a cloaked, mysterious cloaked figure. That rapes and kills her. So there's the first. Yep. Rape. <laughs> yeah. First rape. Well, like and it, it's she gets taken on the same panel that it's got the joke of like sometimes it's us that save them and Max gets arrested. Yeah. So that, that you already got like a nice like contradictory kind of elements going on of like haha superhero funnyism and also a woman getting raped and killed. Yeah. This world is fucked really up. fucked up. Like in general, like it's like one of those things that I I always criticize in these things where it's like every other person i mean and i think they make fun of that too that everyone carries knives everywhere they go because they're like well people get raped and killed all the time so you got to protect yourself like everyone is constantly getting carjacked and (laughs) and like it's like it's like a really crazy 90s dystopia (laughs) the thing that's interesting is after our crossed episode i keep getting into fights with people about cynicism i don't know why but like for me it's it is such a thin line that like when we talk about a lot of edge books like, it's the tone of it, because, like, this is also really brutal and depressing at times, but there's just something about it that I was drawn into and not totally repulsed. Yeah, same. It's got a lighter tone, I think. Like, I think the jokes do help 
alleviate that that it's you know everyone tries to make jokes so it's like people are trying to be optimistic in a cynical world rather yeah, than cross yeah. where it's like everyone's like i'm going to die and get like stabbed and mark millar's like up. no this is life this is how you live yeah. whereas these books are like this is isn't this crazy like yeah that, there's a big difference true, in the yeah. in the in the presentation of it and like, also one of the reasons what like uh not to oh, get over any analytical but the reason one of the tropes is that Max's life is shit, and he f- runs into this fantasy world in the outback to escape the shitty world he lives in. So the world has to be shitty for him to want to escape it. He has to be a fucking loser. That's true. And so speaking of which, version. what is this Australian outback thing that we keep talking about? Yeah, so uh, the poli- while he's in the police car, uh, there's, there's, there's an interesting thing where, where they have this chunk-chunk sound effect in the background of some panels. And that's Max's head going crazy with a headache. And he passes out periodically, and he ends up in... A dream where uh, a dream question mark where he's in the Australian <laughs> outback, uh, fighting white hands coming out of the ground. They're like the uh, those bosses in the Shadow Temple in Ocarina of Time. There's like this these just white arms that come out and grab him, and it's really creepy. Yeah, uh, beautiful. There's a beautiful woman nearby called Leper Queen, and uh, Max watching her. He gets a uh, uh, courage to fight, and he wants to become her hero. So he fights fighting off the white hands, and we cut from the Leper Queen. Uh, the, the woman too, a woman that looks like her called Julie Winters, and uh, she's a, a, a freelance social worker, and she's with a cl- client who uh, who says that uh, I never been to a social worker like you, uh, one who dresses like a hooker, and uh, Julie's like, oh, thanks for the input, kicks him out, and says, at least I don't, I have more than I have a job on, and more than a fucking vomit stained blanket like you do. So fuck She's off. She's wearing like a frilly tube top, like assless chaps with a uh, fishnet like shorts. Yeah. And black yeah. underwear you can clearly see. She looks see. like a hooker. She looks like a hooker, yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, Julie gets called to bail Max out. Uh, she, yeah, she... apparently what she does is she's a social worker who like runs her clinic out of her apartment and she like bails people out of jail with the intention of like helping them through social work so she like bails people out and then takes them on as clients and throughout the story we see her like trying to like negotiate on behalf of tenants so she could pay their rent in the apartment building and like she seems to be really like you know she seems to really care about these victims of society which is counter to what the how she talks about them, which I think Sly's about to get into. Yeah, so uh, she, at the police station, uh, they start. A cop is like, "Oh, it's a dangerous neighborhood," and she tells the cop, "You don't act stupid. You don't get raped." Uh, so, and that's kind of a recurring thing of, of Julie. She talks about she's sick of the victim mentality of rape victims. The wah, thing that's wah. really interesting about this, though, is when I first started reading this, I was like, "Oh, that's weird that they're like." They're like, she's constantly victim blaming, but every time she does, there's another character that argues with her about it. So I don't, I couldn't really tell what, like, where, which side Sam Keith was on. I I think he was having read the whole thing and, like, thinking about it some more. Because at first I was like that, too, where I was like, this is really weird that it's victim blaming, but they always have someone to argue against it. Or they try and look into it's like why are you victim blaming it and it clearly falls on the don't victim blame yeah side. especially yeah. because she she is inside not feeling that way they they reference the fact that she's fighting with herself yeah but that's and, like more later on they do yeah at the beginning right. I was like I, it was really unexpected when he was like oh you're just gonna victim blame and she's like this liberal culture that just like they no one takes responsibility for their own lives and it was it's very rare that we read a book especially on this show that actually has characters argue about politics and doesn't have the book take a stand like yeah. immediately up front. 
Oh, so like it's like milk toast centrist piece of shit then. It is important to be subtle, but here, like we, you don't read a lot of comics, or I haven't read a lot of comics about victim blaming and rape. Yeah, so it would have been like I feel like it would have been nicer for it to make more of a solid stand because it really doesn't push you hard against the victim blaming mentality. It's just like it kind of does showing how all the victims being uh, brutalized and tortured. Yeah, I don't think it needs to. It it, by presenting the 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 discourse and then going through this shitty world, like I feel like how could anyone go through this and be like, yeah, they shouldn't have been wearing that. Like I, I don't think anyone would. And at the same time, too, especially at this point, this is what, the early 90s? I feel like victim-blaming mentality and, like, really dissecting that, I don't remember talking about that until, like, a few years ago. Yeah. And, like, I, maybe this book would be less subtle nowadays, but I find it, I found it really, really interesting that they were having this conversation in an early 90s image book. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know if we're getting to it, but this book, shape, which is why I always... Um, insist on not judging by book by its cover and why I like finding like messages like this in weird places because this is how I got introduced to all this material as a kid like I read this when I was like the same time I read Death Cell was like when I was like, 8 years old so like which I should not be reading this book but like <laughs> but like like we talked about like oh uh, this is when we talk about like the diversity episode like oh this isn't as uh, poignant as Virginia Woolf and sure the comics are never maybe not ever going to be as poignant as Virginia Woolf but like this is how people get introduced to it and this is why I became such a strong feminist because like I read stuff like this and made me really think about it at like 8 years old like how fucked up uh, shit like this is. Mm. She like she blames she, she victim blames and she gets mad at Max uh, for tr- trying to always save these people from the, from being raped. Uh, kind of portraying Max like, like a white knight asshole, like what the all right usually call uh, people white knight white knights. <laughs> uh, and uh, two teens, uh, Gloria and, uh, and Tommy, are in the laundromat waiting for their clothes to dry. Uh, Gloria showing off her knife that her dad gave her for protection. So this uh, is what Phil was talking about. She has this, like, comically large, like, safari knife. Yeah. Uh, Tommy gets frisky, and uh, <laughs> uh, Gloria angrily sends him off to go get some coke, saying, oh, go cool up, get some cokes for us. And the figure that raped and killed a previous woman uh, shows up to rape And Gloria. kill her, yeah. No, he doesn't uh, kill, yeah, not kill her. Yeah, he doesn't. She, she, she becomes a main, char- uh, a main character later on, by the way. And even uh, even this, the guy as he walks away to get the cokes, he's like, "If she expects me to keep getting cokes, we better go steady." Because and it's like, this guy is portrayed like as a jerk complaining about the friend zone, and again, that seems like way ahead of its time to me. Yeah, was it portraying him as a jerk or was he? Yeah, because like, he's like, he's like, as... he's like, oh, if we're going steady, I should get the frisky. Like he's a jerk. Uh, I mean, she, they act like boyfriend and girlfriend, and he's yeah. just he's he's like. He's bringing up the question of, like, is that fair that I have to be her boyfriend and buy her things as if I'm her boyfriend, but I don't even get to do Are anything sure? else? Touch yeah, out. she says stuff like he's a sweet doof. So she, from her perspective, we're knowing that this guy has good intentions. Which a lot of people in the friend zone... Uh, I mean, yeah, about. like the, the nice guy problem. Yeah. It's just, it, it, to me, it's not like, you know, it's not condemning nice guys. It's just showing that they have that kind of relationship. Like, I, I think you're putting that on their relationship. Yeah, I guess. Just the thing that stood out to me is, like, she didn't, like, flirtatiously be like, oh, go go cool down. go get." She was like, get the hell off of me. I don't want you touching me right yeah. now. And I, yeah. I thought that was really, really interesting, especially how sexualized all the female characters have been up to this point. Yeah. But I was like, I didn't expect that yeah. from from this. So, uh, Julie, tell the whole story. Julie has been getting phone, call, uh, phone calls from some creep, and... Uh, Max goes to check out, check out who it is while she has the guy on the line because it seems to be coming from a nearby store. 
uh, Max finds the guy and starts chasing him, and it's not a guy. It's it's a black version of one of those the things from the Outback. It's like a little ball creature with sharp teeth called an Is. That was a robot at first. <laughs> uh, he, he, everything's a robot to Daryl. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's hard to describe them. They're like really cartoony looking, like little, like, like, like little black balls with hands and feet. Yeah. And yeah they look kind of yeah. like Nibbler if he didn't have a face or a like stomach from Futurama. Like, Imagine Black yeah. Pac Man kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Matt, uh, so Max chases a guy to a gas station rooftop and he meets the cloak figure. The, uh, the cloak figure calls him Brer Lapin and he notices Max doesn't seem to remember anything from his past and says, like, Oh, I hate killing amnesiacs, and uh, that's yeah, because Max to seems to just forget things all the time. Yeah, it's also his origin is that he like put on the mask and can't remember who he was before he did. All he knows is he put on a mask and became the Max. Yeah, yeah. and this is Max's first story, right? Uh, there was like a preview in Wizard. Uh, by the way, Wizard really hopped this up at a time, right? That, that uh, if anyone read oh. Wizard, you might know this comic as well. Wizard magazine. So issue two, we start back at uh, Julie Winter's house, and she's weighing herself. And the narration bubble is talking about how she's upset that she's still not as thin as she wants to be. And she opens up the fridge, and then she gets grabbed by one of the the black goo guys. This is, and then oh, it is. cuts to a guy driving to the gas station where Max and um this guy are fighting, and it's about how this guy's narrating. They wishes something interesting would happen to him. To shake up his life. The guy, the guy, it, uh, it's comical again, though, because it's the yeah. guy who was with Gloria who got raped, and he's like, you know, that was crazy that happened to her, but like nothing ever cool happens to me. <laughs> is yeah. it the same right. guy? Yeah, I think it is, right? This guy's no, it's bald, not, it's, though. It's, it's, a, it's a guy from the same class, but it's not uh, yeah. a Tommy. Because uh, okay. I was trying to think about why he would be... Yeah. See, this is another problem again with the art where you could make it more distinct if you're like, yeah. this is this guy. Where it's like, Tommy has hair. He's bald, bald and feels... Still thought it was the same dude. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't read it today. I I, I read it a few days ago. So <laughs> I didn't read I, it. At I, all. Tommy is bald and wears a fucking uh, you know football jersey. This guy, uh, Tommy is not bald. Tommy has blonde hair. This guy's bald and he's wearing a jacket. I think it's. Uh, I guess I'm a fucking asshole. Anyway, they <laughs> make, it makes another good like anti-victim blaming thing where he's talking about how Gloria had like these burn marks on her wrists and that she like she can't talk well anymore and she says and he says uh they think they can save her fingers my dad says it happened because she was a tramp but i don't think so things just happen is all but not to mm-hmm. me i mean i think boy in my life he basically like uh angsty emo kid yep <laughs> someone, so somebody killed me like uh max and this guy that he's fighting fall through on... the guy's name is mr gone like he reveals it. yeah mr gone they fall through on top of his car and then they start fighting and then and there's all and there's all these is's everywhere that to hit to the to the guy look like old grandmas that all have the exact same face. Yeah. But yeah. but to Max and us, they're like those those black goo things, but with like granny clothes on. Yeah. Yeah. The is's look like like whatever they like could shape shift or whatever. Whatever yeah. you're wearing, whatever they're wearing, they look like. Yeah. To yeah. regular to regular people that don't know about the dream world, there's like a thing that, uh, they explain. I don't remember explaining here, but they explain like people. Who aren't aware of the Australian Outback world, and that's Mr. Gone's aware of it too. He's aware of the Australian Outback world. People who are not aware of it see the is as whatever they're dressed at, but only Max and people who know about the Australian Outback see him as the creatures from the Outback. Mm-hmm. So as they're fighting, Mr. Gone pulls out a gun and he like reaches his hand through a window and pulls out a girl from the back seat. 
yeah and, and keeps her as a hostage is like you have to surrender or i'll add her to my score and then max punches her in the face <laughs> yeah he scratches her head and flat. i was trying to figure out if that was an it's or not or if he literally just killed someone for like a joke well they really next, then... next like next panel that the guy says oh well it was really cool uh really cool that, that you knew that was a cpr dummy and the guy's like max like oh but yeah oh. of course i know the cpr dummy oh okay <laughs> I... <laughs> thank you because i read but... that as car dummy I was like, <laughs> <laughs> the guy says he's a CPR uh, student, and, he, and then the CPR dummy, I think, it was set yep. up and All right. delivered. I d- one thing that I think is relevant here, uh, that Daryl read it as car dummy, is the lettering sometimes is really, really cool and interesting. Like you said, when things are bleeding, and all the eyes are exclamation points, and like. I found it really, it had a lot of personality and was fun, but there were times that, like, I could not read what they were. Mr. Gone, especially, his his text is hard to read. He His eyes become exclamation points and his O's have little lines under them. When he talked about the Isis, I thought he, were, he was calling them Isis, and I was really <laughs> like, what? Yeah, this is a very problematic comic. Prophecy. Yeah. <laughs> the prophecy. <laughs> prophecy of Isis has been in the building for years. Anyway, Mr. Gone, Mr. Gone runs off. And then uh, Max is left fighting Izzes, and he falls into, like, a dumpster. It's also interesting that Mr. Gon says to him, like, you know this world isn't real, right? The only real world is the Australian Outback world. And it's like, for, for at least for these four issues, I couldn't, I was like, I couldn't tell if Max was just dreaming up this Australia place, or if they were dreaming this real, like, this this modern urban city, you know? Like obviously the the comic mostly takes place in this modern urban thing, so I figured that was real. But they like Mr. Gon's constantly telling him like like none of this is real. Yeah, he says all Strand Outback is real, and this yeah. this fucking dystopia world is a, is, a, is a nightmare world. And because everyone's so shitty. Yeah. So what happens is it cuts to Max, like he sees this girl sitting on a stage in the Outback world, and she's talking about that he passes this... out and goes back in the Outback. Yeah, there's this bad doll that keeps telling her things she doesn't want to hear, and if it it's, keeps it's talking, she's going again, to... But now she's uh, twisted and, like, uh, disturbed-looking. Yeah, she's going to brush its hair out if it keeps talking. Yeah. So then it jumps to Mr. Gaunt being silly in the bathtub blowing bubbles, and using a, like, cow's butt in a wall for, like, the <laughs> out of the butthole comes soap, and out of the udders comes water. Yeah. It and... was weird. <laughs> <laughs> I actually was like, this is the one part where I'm like, this is kind of funny. Although it's also really weird because this guy's a rapist and murderer. And it's like so kind and, of lighthearted. And the, is- the cartoony looking <laughs> Izzes are like shit, like bathing him. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's pretty weird. Yeah. And then he, the whole time he's talking to Julie, it's because she's in the back room and she's strung up with like this in a. <laughs> like, it's like sexy ballerina outfit. Yeah, yeah, yeah th- that's a good way of putting it. And um, so then they start getting into a discussion about how she's saying that he clearly has a problem with women with everything he's doing. And that yeah, he's trying to like act out sexual fantasies with her. And first she's like, oh, I'm really flawed. Like, I'm not as skinny as I yeah, seem. Yeah, I, ooh, I, I didn't like this because she's like, I'm pretty flawed. I have, like, a fat stomach and chafe marks where my jeans cut and bad breath from eating the wrong stuff. And I have, I'm like stubbly under my arms, and right, Daryl. Keep in mind, this is the '90s when everyone would look the same. Well, no, like, I I'll... also I took this as her like she's she... because she's constantly being like people don't own up to anything, people don't up to uh, up to anything. Because now she's in a situation where she is like held captive. Her first response is to blame herself for it. Also, and... this was the first comic I ever read. First anything I ever read 
Where any character, any woman character, any body image issues, like yeah. Like, okay. Like, also, you really think, also, you really think like, oh, she still looks pretty overall. All the women that are pretty don't no, think it's, they look it's, pretty. By the way, so. it's all, not that. <laughs> also, I, I think I think also the fact that she's saying this stuff is is in reference to the fact that he she's accusing him of having this like fucked up image of like the you know the the some people do this like they build up this perfect woman that can't exist in their mind and then they're like trying to find that and when they don't they get angry. Yeah. But it's like he's she's accusing him of saying you want me to be this like. Uh, like scared ballerina who you can enact sexual fantasies on, but like that 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 I that image that idea doesn't exist. Like that yeah. perfect woman in your mind doesn't exist. I'm a real person who and real people have problems. You yeah. know. And uh, in, in trend, uh, Mr. Gon accuses her of being a shitty feminist because <laughs> she she dropped out of school. She like she's she's working freelance as a social worker. She basically made a mess of her life. She parrots. He references that she parrots a lot of Camille Palia. Yeah. They reference a lot of. Uh, because mm-hmm. she's, she's the big one that's like women like get what they deserve kind of a thing yeah um and then she says it's not my fault you broke into my locked house and kidnapped me um you're twisted you can't like you can't blame it on me or you're just trying to find ways to blame it on me and then he explains that he knows more about her than she realizes about like the spirit animal doesn't he and, say like I know all about you? I've been stalking you for Christ's sake. Yeah, or something <laughs> and, like that. And, and again, though, but uh, what's empowering for her, the thing I think through this, while they're having this back and forth, she's also taking action and immediately looks for a uh, a knife to try to start cutting herself free while she's talking to him. Hmm. Like I thought she was pretty badass during this because she's like she finds a, a tooth of one of the is and is is like arguing with this serial rapist and like like cutting herself loose the whole time. Yeah, she's like she's just. Talking to uh, get him, get him be distracted while she's getting ready to stab him in the neck, which is what she does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what happens here when she when she cuts off, uh, Mr. Gone in the neck? There's a parallel with the Australian Outback with Mr. Mr. Ma- with the Max watching Leopard Queen, and that's the whole point is she stabs him before he can tell the truth. While Leopard Queen's saying this doll doesn't shut up, I'm gonna uh, brush his head off, and Leopard Queen does it while she, she stabs Mr. Gone in the neck. She doesn't want to find out the truth, so. She stabs her gun to get him to show up and not tell her about what happened. Mm-hmm. And then, I, yeah, I, at yeah. first, I was confused because I thought this was like a voodoo doll kind of thing, or like she was controlling <laughs> her. It's just a parallel. That's it. It's just, a, it's just yeah. what she was. Lover Queen is her in herself, as they reveal later on. Oh, that makes yeah. sense. I, I was, I was trying to like piece that together too. I'm like, obviously, the Leopard Queen is Julie, but like, which, like, you know, which world? exists in yeah, which one's real? which one's the real Julie that yeah. makes sense and, and then the Max escapes from a dumpster ready to track down Mr. Gong setting up issue 3 yeah but I thought that was cool like this this whole issue like the, the final climactic moment like Max is just in the dumpster she like fucking stabs She's him in the neck yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah I thought issue 2 was cool Daryl you're less convinced yeah <laughs> yep okay so issue 3 so it starts with Max following an is to lead him to Mr. Gone. But he still keeps shifting back and forth between the Australia fantasy. And then he, like, when he wakes up, he forgets why he's even following the is. So obviously he's... I'm glad Demented. that... <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that Julie is the one who's, like, leading this charge of defeating him. Because Max is kind of an idiot. I thought this was a cool scene, too. Because he's, like, he's pushing through all the crowds of people. And then he just is in, like, gr- like a field of grass. Yeah, like, basically, like I said, there's parallels between the Outback and the real world. While Max is uh, fighting two crowds of people in the real world... He's fighting through uh, bush, uh, like uh, gra- tall grass in the real world. And he's like saying, "Like, what am I doing? What, what, I thought I, I was in a, in a safe field, but I'm back in the outback." Like, he's, the whole time he's confused. 
Mm-hmm. So he ends up after fighting a whole an army of is he lands in a bathroom that's like the mirror image of Mr. Gon's bathroom with the cow buttholes or whatever that Daryl yeah. was talking about, <laughs> and he has a flash of that doll from earlier saying "Mommy," and then Mr. Gon shows up in a tiki mask. The two fight, but Gon says that they should stop because he says Max and Julie are soul linked and he is her protector. And that's why Max saw that mommy vision because Julie is the real, you know, the leopard queen and she's lost in the city of her own mind. And so basically Julie had, what was the real, why did she create this world? She had like a trauma or something. We don't know. They they suggest that they say like, I think it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty strongly suggested that she was was raped. raped. Yeah. Yeah. She said somebody somebody hurt her. doesn't matter who. But after that, she escaped within herself, and, and now she's lost. It's like that's why she's a social worker, because she's trying to protect herself and have control over other people by telling them what's wrong with their lives and what she should do. Yeah, yeah. and and Mr. Gon says that they like created this world where she could be strong, and that's one of the reasons why she's like her politics are like stop victim blaming all that stuff mm-hmm. because she wants to be like the strongest possible. Mm-hmm. So because yeah, she herself is kind of like a victim, and she blames herself because of it. And then Mr. Gon says that the thing that we've been viewing as the Australian outback is actually Pangea in the real world. And the world we're now is the fantasy where everyone is acting at their deepest fantasy. So we're in Julie's world. Yeah, but I, when I was like, I, I, I definitely got that. But when I was reading this, I'm like, but he's a fucking villain. Like, is he telling the truth? Like, Yeah, that's, that's another thing. Mr. Gon is a villain. And on top of all the fucking visions. That's the one thing I love, I love about this comic. I still about it is you never know what's the truth and what is well even so, max max points that out where he's like i don't even know to trust him least of all about julie the person he's been stalking yeah yeah he yeah. says like but it, so like max like recaps all this stuff in like an easier to digest way but then he says but that's all coming from the villain so I, don't villains lie like he's very confused by this as well yeah and i think that's a really interesting concept because comics always have the villain explain their plan and having yeah. someone be like what if he's just full of shit i think is is really cool that's a subversion daryl yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then since julie's now saved because she saved herself her and max are sitting on a dock and he's clipping her toenails which it just looks really weird because he's especially because monster. She, yeah she is like normal looking yeah. and he is like a like, giant purple man yeah and he's like holding the clippers we need and, to like, point out too he has the most ridiculous overbite too <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> he actually doesn't look like he has a lower jaw at all uh, not only they all, not only is it a big overbite, they reveal later on that uh, whenever somebody tries to take off the mask, uh, Max, somebody tries to take off the Max's mask, the mask <laughs> of the Max, by their fingers off. Oh, and they yeah. actually said that at the beginning when the uh, the cops tried yeah. to arrest him. Julie's like, why'd you bite off someone's fingers? And he's like, I didn't. It was like, that was the mask. And also, oh, wait, I should have yeah. mentioned, the cops, the cops were in on that thing, too. Didn't they mention, like, being... Yeah, because they, like, they didn't arrest Fridge, they just arrested Max. Yeah. And they said yeah. they couldn't bring him to jail because, or like, because he didn't like murder anybody. But they knew those muggers by name. They did, yeah. They knew them. They're like, oh, those guys. Yeah. Like, so this is a really fucked up dystopia. Yeah. yeah. And also about the uh, tail clipping scene. Uh, tail it's goofy, clipping. but that's one of the most iconic scenes in the whole entire series. Uh, really? The final. Se- oh the final, yeah, I can see why. The, the final uh, scene of them together is, is an homage to this scene. It's, it's my favorite scene from the finale. Yeah, so basically he's like asking, like, are we are, are we already at the stage in our relationship where we could clip each other's toenails? I don't ever want to be at that stage of relationship with anybody, <laughs> personally. Especially because she bites the nail off. 
But yeah, she bites her nails off. Whatever. So basically, she repeats that like she doesn't want Max to feel bad for her or anything that has happened because she's sick of professional victims, like rape, rape victims, always crying about what happens. She complains about like the modern liberal that uses an excuse for everything in their life. And while she's going on this tangent, Max is thinking about what Gon told him and said, like, did she create this world? You know, is she just hiding from the truth? And he's telling her about the, you know, the rape victims that were left for dead. And she says that she became a social worker. Well, she, it's, this is when... She just, she just, she just says that, what she says is that I'm sick of people always trying to get sympathy. She's sick of the Max always trying to make excuses for them and stuff like that. But while she's saying that, the Max is in his monologue is remembering what Mr. Gaunt said uh, before he, uh, the Max left him. Yeah, and that he, he was, she this, built the social, social worker, worker yeah, yeah, to smother her pain and controlling others, and that she built a wall around her better self. So like this is like just the strong side of her. You know, I use yeah, the and, term loosely. And while while they're talking, the uh, the parallel to the other world is the leper queen inside a giant uh, building, uh, well boarded up and crying. Yeah, and as Julie, yeah, as I was gonna say, she's crying as like as this is going on. And Julie says, like, oh, don't worry about me, Max. I'm going to be just fine as the Leopard Queen is crying. And yeah, but she's the way she, Max is holding her, like, only we can see that she's crying. So yeah. I took it as, like, you know, she's, she's, re- like, it's not like she's opening up to him. No, she's no, just yeah. Bottling Real world Julie's not crying at all. It's only Leopard Queen. Yeah. The Leopard Queen's crying. Absolutely. Yeah, right. And it's like one of those things that, like, she, she's just putting on a facade and we are supposed to know that. Yeah, yeah. and that's issue three. And at this point... I still was like, this book's okay, but looking back, I think I like this a lot. I think I, I liked it a lot when I was reading it. So let's get into issue four, which everyone seemed to like. Uh, so issue four takes a very different, it's very different. Uh, the yeah. narrator for this one is not Max or Julie or Mr. Gone. It's a little girl named Sarah. Uh, I mean, not... Teenage know, girl. Not teenage like, teenage uh, girl, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and she's she wants to be a writer. She says that, and um, she... Is hang out under an overpass because she's like writers do that kind of stuff to get experience, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. And then she meets Max. I, 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 by the way, I love all the jokes they make about being a writer. Like, oh, a writer, yeah. did I shock you? A writer's supposed to shock you and stuff like that. Yeah, funny. yeah. That's that throughout this whole issue, she's always because she's narrating to us directly. Um, and so she finds Max under the overpass because he's a bum, and Max tells her that she he knows her dad. So um, she's like, well, I guess I can talk to him. And we find out that his dad or her dad um, was a barber. And one day he went into a shop, shot everyone there, and then shot himself. Yeah. Did you guess who, who her dad is? Mr. Gone. Yes. I, I didn't oh, get to the first time I read it. I didn't it. realize Yeah. That. If you look at the, the image of when she's – where it says dad, it's the, it's like the same type of head with – uh, with a bullet in his head, but also his head is ripped off for, like the doll was. Yeah. That makes. Sense. I didn't know if it was just like expressive because of, I don't know, the the artist style. Yeah, and that he looked kind of like Mister Gone because of the artist style. I took it that way too, but that's cool. It's funny because uh, Sam Keith said like, uh, Mister Gone looks like one of his previous characters from his previous comics, and he says, "I just all I can draw is Mister Gone." <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. And then uh, as she's introducing, like, her family life and everything, after the dad dies, um, her mom becomes, like, a super hippie. I mean, like, like... Groovy. She's always like, yeah. <laughs> did you catch it? Did you catch any bad vibes today? How's school, Trippy? And uh, she was like, my mom was never like this before. Um, but she basically is, like, a hippie now afterwards. But she's, she's still, like, a really angry person. 
uh, and she like starts yelling at her and says like you don't want to end up like your dad and then she's like oh she's like hippie but like she still talks about like don't end up like your dad like and like 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 uh, she's she's very clearly like worried about Sarah and she gets pissed off when she shows any sign of being the yeah and my favorite part is that the mom says like tell me I'm not a bad mother tell me I didn't ruin your life and she says you didn't ruin my life mom and uh, Sarah remarks how that she has to mother her own mother yeah over yeah this. I, I, I like loved this a lot and yeah. how like. The mom lost the dad, and then as a result, she lost her mom because she's not her mom anymore. She's basically like, like, at, like, like, like you said, she has to be mothered. I mean, even the mom says like, "Oh, we could be like sisters. Let's talk about yeah. the prom." And she's like, "I wanted a mom, but this is what I got." Yeah, and so um, we go to her school, and she has a friend, or not a kind of a friend named Jimmy, yeah, a friend. who's like a, a like a a loser but he at least gets to beat up kids even younger than him and she's like that's kind of cool because it shows like the food chain where even if you're always bullied at least you can bully someone else Mm -hmm. this kid jimmy wears like green sunglasses a bandana and like a cigarette in his mouth so he's like he looks like a little shitty duke nukem (laughs) (laughs) that's what i saw him i'm like okay he's like he's like nerdy bullied duke nukem that's that's what probably duke nukem type would be like in real life yeah probably and uh, so he t- like, and he told her a story where and she thinks this is really cool that he got carjacked by a bunch of guys in their underwear. And um, in his version of the story, while while she's telling us what he said about how he kicked their asses, we see in the image him tripping out of the car, almost dying, and Max actually coming and saving him. But in his telling of the story, which she is telling us, he actually you know was so cool he broke one of their skulls or something. But actually, it was Max smashing their head into the car. And it turns out that Sarah actually visits Julie for, like, social work. And it turns out that the mom and, and Julie are actually friends. And um, Sarah tells her... They have an argument. And Sarah, uh, Sarah tells Julie, like, oh, you know, I found one of my dad's guns. And it's pretty cool. But she doesn't say she's carrying it right now. But Sarah tells us. Oh, uh, something we need to point out, now that I'm looking at the Sarah and Julie stuff, is that Sarah isn't actually drawn like a hot chick like almost every other girl in this book is. Oh, She's yeah. kind of like a yeah. beatnik with a uh, cap on and just really long, frizzy hair that covers a lot of her body. And she's, Super frizzy. She like. wears a lot of like, frumpy, baggy clothing. A lot of times, you actually don't see her. You see a silhouette with just like big, frizzy, like, like, like a big, frizzy outline. Yeah, and the glasses the are reflective of like just her yeah yeah and then uh sarah's mom shows up and starts arguing with julie and it's it's like an argument it's an argument about feminism and they're yelling like uh steinem like gloria steinem and palia uh and misogyny and liberalism and humorless totalitarianism they just start arguing about feminism one thing i like is that sarah was like if they're arguing so much why are we always friends i don't like it because it feels like very real like reminds me of me and phil like, <laughs> yeah, you're you, you talking about capitalism. Like, how are they friends? Like, it's, and like, I, always, I find it interesting that they have a relationship like that. I could yeah, definitely it, see that being like an outcast, like a high school outcast. I could see why adults always arguing like politics would you would say like, well, why are they friends? But like, that's that's literally our other podcast. <laughs> yeah, people people do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and so she asks, uh, or I don't know who asks, but they go. Jimmy and Sarah go to the prom together, and. It doesn't exactly show what happens, but I, he. I plays love a prank the on way her. this is shown because the main panel is the. It's like an empty auditorium with Sarah sitting by herself, 
and it, there's like it looks like broken shards of glass that yeah. are superimposed over the auditorium where it's like them together like smiling them about to ki- them kissing and then him pulling away and her crying while the whole school laughs at her and she's like it doesn't even hurt it doesn't matter it's really stylized like it's like it, it's like it looks like a bad dream like a trippy dream uh in these pieces of glass yeah. what did you think about this daryl i didn't like it it's too it's too hard to tell what's happening it's not clear i, I don't think it's supposed to tell i think it's, it's yeah to it's be. abstract but i'm but i'm saying it's too abstract to be like to the point where it's like all right something bad happened then why even include those if like you're you're not gonna should, be able all, to read all the information it shows all the you need you see everyone laughing at her you see her crying if they show more detail and you know it's... you know it was jimmy's fault because right to the left of it it's him with his like in the darkness, having this like, yeah, it's shit, like, like that. Evil that's grin. fine. I like that. It's just like the the red. The it's not even like shattered glass. It's kind of like goopy looking. It's it's too weird. Hmm. See, I loved it, but so so anyway, this uh, some he obviously fucked with her somehow, and he says like, hey, you know, I had to do it. It's my only chance to be cool uh, at the school. I and he even says like, I know it would. It's fucked up to sacrifice you for everybody else, but like, you're gonna tell me you wouldn't, and she says I would. Yeah, he, yeah, he yeah, says, I like, can't help it. Besides, we were just having a laugh, right? Nobody really got hurt. And you have, like, the silhouette of her in the back. And she does say in her own mind, like, I, I wasn't lying. I, I wasn't mad because I would have done the same thing in that same situation. Like, every, like, it's, and she says here, it's important for a writer to know that she has the potential to be as rotten, like, everybody, as everybody else. I also like the scene, too, because, like, how she begins describing it as, like, you know, this did this, uh, it didn't get to me, you know, it's just, like, people laughing, nobody was really hurting me, but that this is, like, kind of a, a cruel way that kids do torture each other is through just finding humor in each other's, like, faults and terrible things that happen. Like, yeah. nobody's getting into physical altercations over this, but at the same time, like, this is really, like, crushing her on the inside, and she has to act like it's nothing, or otherwise she plays into, like, uh, the ridicule. Yeah. I just, a- I've seen the scene a million times of, like, the kid in high school that's led on to a date and is, like, totally, you know, like, totally pranked or whatever, but I don't know if I've ever seen it where the kid immediately admits, I would have done the same thing. It's also, I feel like this is a lot or somewhat different here is because these two were the outcasts and this usually yeah or like i don't know maybe i'm just thinking of movies too much where i'm like this person's too attractive to be an outcast yeah oh no that's the thing where like it's like the popular girl invites the nerdy kid who's bullied to the dance and obviously it's a prank but here it's like he says i'm the shortest kid in the school this is the only this was my only chance Mm -hmm. yeah and and he even says like we needed each other but now that i did this i don't need you anymore Sorry. And and during that scene too, she has she thinks about having like how she has her gun in her pocket, and I was like, is she gonna fucking kill him? <laughs> but she she doesn't. And she also says like that's foreshadowing. That's what a good writer does, foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you mention you might have mentioned this before, but I don't remember about how when she's talking to Julia about the gun, she says she really liked to touch it because yeah. it felt like it made her closer to her dad. Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't. And it's wow. something they still talk about. She wants to be close to her dad throughout the whole story. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one too. Max and Julie are coming out of the movies. Again, this looks so funny to me because he's in like a trench coat and a little hat, and he's it, so he looks huge. just like the thing trying to be a normal <laughs> yeah. person. It is, yeah, it it's is. very funny, and they're it leaving is, the theater. The trope of the, the ugly, any type of ugly character like the Teenage Mutant Turtles, they always wear a trench coat. They look, they still fucking burly as hell, but like, it, you think it's the not Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are ugly, Sly? <laughs> they're they're inside. They're not conventionally <laughs> attractive, Ryan. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. <laughs> well, according to you, I mean. <laughs> 
Some people like yiffing. Don't judge Ryan's kink. Um, so they see Julie on a park bench and they go after her and they're like, hey, what's up? You want to go to the aquarium or something? And then they get crashed into by a truck because, of Wait, course... Wait, did you talk about their conversation when they leave the movie theater? Yeah, I want to... Oh, I like this so much. So they leave the movie and Max is basically complaining oh, that, yeah. like, it's a super sexist movie because, like, they prostitute... They, like... This woman turns into a prostitute to get money from an old man, and he's like, Max is basically like, I don't know, I found that really sexist, and she's basically like, both he's, he's like, I don't know, he's like, that, that was a sexist fucking movie, like he's very indignant, but uh, he's not even indignant, he just says it was sexist, and she's yeah. like, look at this fucking snowflake over here, <laughs> yeah, and she's like, he's a fucking joke, get over it, like why take everything so seriously, and it's the kind of like the SJW uh, arguments, yeah, predated like like uh, twenty years. <laughs> yeah. So then, yeah, then there's the, she, they offer Sarah the ride to the aquarium. Yeah, and they're going, and then they get crashed into by a car, and it's a bunch of carjackers and spotted underwear. And <laughs> this is also funny, too. We didn't mention this, but whatever the is are pretending to be people, uh, even though they look like people, they look human, they go, they always go meep. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's like, like a meep. And so, like, the carjackers are like, freeze, meep, sucker. <laughs> and uh, Max is just like, something's different. And then it, from his view, you see, like, a little... Like goo man with teeth wearing underwear, holding up a well, revolver. As, as, so he starts, he starts being a shit out of his is, and as as he fights them more, and more Sarah starts seeing what they are too, as black yeah. things. And she actually, it was interesting because she liked the story of Jimmy beating up the carjackers, but in real life, she's like, "This is actually like kind of sick to see people getting crushed." Yeah, uh, this yeah. is this like, is like that was a cool action story. Mm-hmm. This is just like I'm watching people's knees get destroyed and stuff, and I hate it. Yeah, yeah, totally not in the version though, right, Daryl? What? Totally not in the version, though. That violence is fucked up when you see in your life. What? I mean... <laughs> Say it again? <laughs> yeah, you keep... You were speaking too fast over your first... It's because it, when he gets angry... <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> never mind. Move on. No, he's saying this isn't in version. Never mind. Fucking fuck it. <laughs> because the violence is not pretty in real life. Yeah, violence, I um, agree with that. But it's not in version, right? It's not in version at all. It's fucking... Oh, it's a, oh a subversion. <laughs> Yeah, you keep saying inversion. So I, it's because it's because I accidentally said inversion when I meant subversion. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, um, yeah. I suppose this is. Uh, I don't know, but the thing is, it's drawn cool. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. just because the narrator saying it isn't cool doesn't mean that it doesn't look cool. Like Max. That's is drawn cool, but also emphasize, it, also emphasize what she says. Like when they, when somebody's fingers get broken, zooms in, the fingers getting broken and shit. But I would respect this as a subversion more if it just showed like her face reacting to it. But the fact that we still see these cool fights. Yeah, and, and the, we don't care about these. That was the other weird thing is that the uh, the isses are like, they're so silly looking and goofy that when you see their faces getting like smashed in, you, you don't feel bad. You're not like, this is like really disgusting. You know, it makes me nauseous. It's like, look at that is. Now he's all flat. It is crazy how when they die, like one of them's dead in broken glass and it's like, what are like it's so weird that to have like this dark like like normally cartoon things don't die they just like get beaten up yeah but anyway she pulls out a gun sarah does it uh <laughs> because she, this gun. is too much going on right now for her seeing yeah Max she's like none of this makes sense nobody's in charge adults run everything and nothing works i have no control and i'm sick of running for myself and this, she puts the gun to her head and she says in narration, this is the point in the story where I throw the gun away or have this cathartic revelation that suicide's wrong. Even that before life's... that, first she says, like, I'm my father's daughter. I'm going to be yeah. just like him. I am just like you, daddy. I'm going to see you, daddy. And she says, that's why this story doesn't work, because I just can't buy it. And she, But she does drop the, the gun. Yeah. Yeah, she basically is saying, like, this is why the story of my life sh- is shit, because, like, this is such a dumb cliche. Yeah, yeah. like, I- I'm supposed to do this, but this isn't a good story. 
one of the things Julie actually said to her back when they were talking is like a lot of the stuff that sucks now is going to change. Like it seems like it won't when you're in it, but this stuff does go away. And yeah. again, it's reinforced here where Julie's like, things will change and you will change too. And she's like, right now you wait. The thing that I really like about this is throughout the story, Julie keeps telling her, you just have to wait. And Sarah's like, that's bullshit. And I remember being told that as a kid too. Like, oh, mm-hmm. it gets better. Just deal with it. And like, that sucks. That doesn't make yeah, any Yeah, it's like anytime you go through a breakup, it's like, it'll, it'll get better. It's like, but it's not good now. Yeah. 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 And th- one thing that I really like is she, the whole time Julie's like, you just got to wait. You just got to wait. You just got to wait for the pain to go away. And in the next scene, she's talking to Max and Max says, you just got to wade through the nightmares. And she says, you have to wait for the nightmares. He goes, no, you have to wade through them. And that like resonates with her. And I like that so much that like, it's, he's almost verbatim repeating Julie, but it's such a different way where it's like, it does suck and it's horrible. You have to push through it. The line he uses that like, I really like this. And this is my favorite line from this is that, um, sometimes I think this whole growing up business is just pain management. Yeah. Which is pretty true when you have like a lot of scarring and difficult things that happen to you throughout your life is that it's like, it's not like that stuff changes. Then you're like, Oh, that doesn't mean anything anymore. It's that you get kind of, you get used to it and you understand it more to where it's not like bearing over your head the whole time. Yeah, you basically just build a tolerance. You yeah, don't... yeah. It's, funny, it's funny like that line when Sarah says that's such a fucking dorky line to them. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it, it works though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I like my favorite line is the last one where um, uh, uh, Sarah says, I never knew if Max knew my dad or not, but he knew me well enough to say he, he did. God, that sounds awkward. I'll never be a writer. And that's my favorite <laughs> line in the whole issue. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was just such a great and like they're they're ta- having this conversation under the uh, like under the underpass um it's just it's a really great scene i thought this this issue really stood out to me because like when i looked up later after i finished it like sam keith and his stuff i was kind of not surprised that he helped launch sandman because sandman is filled with issues like this of just like one off let's take some character that's tangentially related to our main cast throw them in this world and like, you know, I'm not saying that this is exactly the same as Sandman, but it's kind of like, this is when I really was sold on the book when I didn't have to follow Max the whole time. <laughs> but that's funny. You say, funny you say that. I want to, I want to say this right now. Uh, Sarah is the main character of this book. Really? Yeah. That's why I want to, uh, cause I want to show how far we will get. I want to get to issue four because Sarah is the main character of this book. And as the book goes on, and this is why, this is why I, I, I always emphasize don't judge book by its cover. Cause Sam Keith made it basically the way it was to try to capitalize, get up because later on he tries to do it in any book and it failed. It flopped hard. He made a book called Friends of Max to try to <laughs> cap, try to do what he what he did later on in this book, where try to tell stories about regular people, but no one no one bought Friends of Max. People loved the Max. Oh yeah. So so and he and by the end of the Max it stops being about the Max entirely. It's all about Sarah. The last five issues aren't related to the Max story whatsoever. They're really about um. Random vignettes from It's other really good you brought that up because I was going to say my favorite part was like the least Max being a superhero kind of stuff there was, the more interesting it was. And I was like, why not write a book like that? And it's because it would have failed. Yeah, and that's why, I, that's why, like, Phil, like, when Phil said, oh, why, why, why is, but Judge Bud Bice cover, it's good. And I'm like, but capitalism means you shouldn't. And this is why, because <laughs> the books that are good don't always sell. And sometimes yeah. you have to sneak yeah. things in in interesting ways. And that's why, I think that's, I, I can never really verbalize it, but I think his books helped me verbalize it. And this is why it taught me that lesson that the market, just because there's a, there's a market for a, type, a unique type of book, doesn't mean you can't sneak it in with interesting, uh, 
premises like this. Well, actually, DC and a lot of the indie companies in the 90s did a lot of stuff like this, where, like, Sandman, the Justice League, shows up in the first story, and then, like, it's totally separate from the DC universe and By has end, no yeah. superheroics for yeah. 70 more issues. Like, I feel like a lot of, in this era, when, like, right around the boom... People yeah. were, like, tricking people into buying their good books by setting up a premise and then abandoning it by issue three or four. Yeah. Hmm. That's actually interesting. I, I bet we could do a whole episode on, like, things that that are they, – they present themselves as mindless, but it's – there actually is – not maybe not mindless, but they present themselves as, like, more marketable to casual audiences, but – they do sneak in like deep themes and stuff in them. Mm-hmm. Well, like our previous when we talked about Alan Moore's Swamp Thing, like Al, uh, like Swamp Thing, Alan Moore was a horror character. No, Swamp Thing <laughs> was like uh, just like a creature of the Black Lagoon kind of horror character, and yeah. Alan Moore made him a total force for social, you know, critique commentary. Yeah, that's the word yeah. I was looking for. Yeah, and like that's that's something that comics do all the time because this book on its cover is something you would buy for eight-year-old Sly because it's like this big guy punching bad guys. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it tricks Sly into being a feminist. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's a really good line. Yeah. It's because it's very true. That should be on the episode of the blurb. We had a comic that that made Ayo Sly think, "Oh, look, a nineties cool edge," and then it took Sly being a feminist. Yeah, yeah. but like it's, like it's like Purple Hulk. <laughs> and, and that's why I bought it. I was like Purple Hulk, basically. <laughs> but like that that's sense. something that I feel like comic books do more than anything because of the low budget to make, yeah. but the high mainstream appeal. I, like I can't think of a lot of movies that try and. Well, also movies aren't like serialized where they're like, now we're gonna like, what if the next Star Wars movie is like, you know, let's do a critique on Israel Palestine situation, like. <laughs> that would just it wouldn't happen yeah well it's with yeah. i feel like it's, comics it's too big budget there's so yeah there's so many comics and then there's so many different characters you can sometimes do this with certain franchises or new ips where you're like yeah I'm a, this is big purple hope actually it talks about feminism a lot yeah, and it's less of a commitment because you can always cancel a comic book after six, six issues you, it, without, like, losing that much more money. Where, like, a TV show, halfway through the season, people stop watching it, you cancel it, you're out a lot of money. Yeah, you're out millions because yeah. you're millions yep. of viewers. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Cool. So, final thoughts. So, would you continue reading The Max? Like, have, did you read the whole thing when you I were I read the whole series, yeah. So, obviously... You don't have to answer this question. Yeah. <laughs> I, I de- especially after I would have kept reading anyway, but especially after you said Sarah was the main character, I really want it. I it's not just I would, I want to continue the series. I would for sure, and I I haven't said that about many comics we've read. <laughs> I think this I think this one was just like weird enough to be like because we've read a lot of we have read good stuff, but for a lot of it, I'm like you know there's a lot of good stuff out there, but this is like this is good in like a pretty unique way for me. Where I'm yeah. like, I, I am kind of interested to see this, to see more of this. What about you, Dara? My opinion on it uh, increased since we've been talking about it. It's also hard because I didn't have a lot of time to digest it since I just read it today. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. I went into it with like a lot of, like, I was still torn on some stuff. Until we started discussing more of it, I'm like, oh, this wasn't the story. Or, oh, this this was pointed out. Like, the CPR dummy. I'm like, okay, that's a huge, like, weight off my shoulders that that wasn't. <laughs> like, he didn't just kill a person <laughs> for fun. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I like. I. I would. I want to know more about it. I'm also just really torn because I just don't like the art that much. Like the art isn't what's keeping me there. Mm. And and I think for me, a lot of times the art is what. Like literally, the art is what kept me through Death's Head. Yeah. Whereas I I wouldn't have 
I don't know. I also want to apologize to Daryl for my uh, when we did Dev said uh, we commented how Daryl like mostly, mostly was amused by the fact that we were trashing one of his uh, childhood <laughs> favorites. Yeah, and I I got super salty. <laughs> oh oh so oh you apologize to him. I I'm I am that target like half of these. Episodes. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. No no <laughs> this is it's good. You're you have to get yelled at by Sly sometimes too, Daryl. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. In an ideal world, maybe no one would get yelled at by Sly. No, I think to make the podcast good, we all have to get yelled at by Sly. <laughs> No, it's understandable because, like, I think we pointed out last time, or maybe we talked off the podcast about this, is it because Death Said's such low quality, I have no need to defend it because it's like, I like uh, it is what it is. Whereas here, there are things you want to talk about where if you're like, I believe this subverts it in this manner, you want to defend it from that. Whereas, like, yeah, you guys are like, right. the the time traveling stuff doesn't make sense in Death Said. I'm like, yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, I also yeah, think right. one of the things that's important that I'm kind of glad that you feel this way, Daryl, is because one thing that's hard as comic book fans is there are books that I love the art and hate the writing, or I love yeah. the writing and hate the art. And like when we talked, we've done two episodes on Cry for Justice. I love that artist, but I'm not going to yeah. tell somebody go read this book. <laughs> and like if you're having a hard time following the art, and especially I think you more than any of us are drawn to the art, then more so than the writing, that like. Even if you really like the themes, if you're not having a good time reading it, then why would you continue, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's one thing where, like, I guess it's you could say that, like, with movies, if you don't, if you like the script, but you don't like the actors, like, it's hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And people people get like that with video games, too. They're like, PS1 game might be great, but I just can't stand the graphics, yeah. so I can't play well, like, it. Visuals, visuals are a factor in the arts. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, like, you know, if we didn't care, if the art didn't matter, we would just, we'd be a novel podcast. <laughs> Yeah, novel issues. Novel, novel, novel graphics. graphics? <laughs> no, no, no. Check out our site, novel <laughs> Buy my book, and Sly's book. So, yeah. are we good? I'm cool. I believe so. So, I want to do a quick plug for the Comrade Radio Network. If uh, if you guys missed Sales from the Static, which you should have, because it was great, they came back on they. It's just Ryan, but <laughs> <laughs> Ryan came back on Sunday with the f- wait. You're Ryan, a different Ryan. This is B Ryan. He oh, yeah. he. Uh, That's his name, Brian. No. Brian, <laughs> guys. <laughs> Brian, Brian, who? All right, sorry. I'm a Ryan. He's B Ryan. Whatever. Anyway, Tales from the Static started season two on Sunday, so check that out and check out all the other shows on ComradeRadio.com. And iTunes and Stitcher. And while you're there, write us a review and join our Facebook group. Oops, I talked divisive issues. And stay. Everyone should be happy because I stopped. I deleted all the bots and stopped letting them in. Oh, God. We got so many all of a sudden. Did you guys notice yeah. that? Yeah, that, that, that happens with you. I, I did it on Twitter. Like, I, I invited a bot. To my, follow, follow the bot and every bot just started following me. <laughs> but our group is now safe again. No bots. I feel like Twitter yeah, is they, real they, easy they, to know who's the bot because their, like, at handle is just a bunch of characters. Yeah. Also, I, I, we should say, like, these bots aren't, like, stealing your financial I- information or anything. It's like, what are they really going to do besides, yeah. like, steal your financial information? <laughs> well, that no, that that's Equifax. Well, th- that's, that's only because that's, we have a weekly what's-your-credit-card-number thread in the Facebook group. <laughs> <laughs> and Social Security. Don't, you know, that's my that's my favorite. Yeah. Don't forget to take a photo of a CVZ, CVC number, too. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, anyway, the group is safe and lots of fun, and everyone should join yep. it. And it's just... And if, oh, if you want to send us your credit card information, by the way, it's... Uh, what's Divisiveissues at gmail.com. <laughs> Here, I'll give yeah, you my so address just... so you can come here yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, 
yeah, that's it. Thank you all for listening. I've been an inverted superhero. I've been victim blaming, but not really. I'm crying inside. I've been a carjacker in my underwear, but actually a little black gloob with teeth. And I've been gone. <laughs> Mr. Gone, I guess. Stay continuity. Red Radio. Dot com. Independent Podcasting Network.